Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let me pray. Father, we need you. We love you and we serve you. Father, I pray that you would speak clearly to us as we open the truth of your word. I pray that you would provide comfort and strength and encouragement, Father, and and reminders of how we should live. I pray, Lord, you would empty me of the things that I want to say and, and just fill me with your words and with your spirit to proclaim your truth today. And as we study your word, Father, may your name be glorified. May we be transformed more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Let me just remind you and encourage you as you're finding Genesis chapter 12. We've kind of decorated for the missions conference. It'll start next weekend. Let me just remind you of the schedule in case you're not familiar. Thursday is a lunch. But you'll have the opportunity to to meet some of our missionaries and ask some questions of them. Friday night is a banquet. You can buy tickets for both of those things in the Breezeway or on our website. You can go to our website and buy tickets for the banquet as well. That's Friday night at 6 p.m. We're going to have our partners, two partners from different parts of the world, one from South Asia, one from Africa. They will be here. You'll get to hear from them, meet them if you'd like to, answer, uh, have them answer questions about what they're doing and, and learn more about their ministry. We'll have a guest speaker. We'll give out our new missions magazine, which I'm very excited about. We've got, I think, 17 trips planned for next year. We've actually developed some new partnerships that you'll hear more about that I'm very excited about that the Lord just opened the door for. So I want you to be in prayer for our conference coming up this weekend. I want you to be in prayer that the Lord would do great things through it, and I want you to be a part of it. If you can't afford to buy a ticket, I'll buy it for you. But I want you to come and be challenged. I want you to come and hear all the Lord is doing. And it never fails. And I may be talking to you. It never fails. There's always a few people who come to me after the conference and they say something like this. You know, I didn't, I didn't really want to come. I didn't really want to be part of this, but I felt the Lord leading me to come. And when I went, the Lord just, just kind of showed me what He wanted me to do. And He just gave me this clear picture of how to be living for Him or something to do with missions. And so I think the Lord will speak to you if you'll allow Him. So you be in prayer for that, that the Lord's going to do great things. And we look forward to seeing you at our, at our lunch on Thursday, if you can make it for lunch. But it's certainly Friday night at our banquet. Okay, we're jumping now back into Genesis chapter 12. We took some time off a few weeks ago. We studied last week the call of Abram in Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. And we've talked about Genesis 12 really being a bridge for us. A bridge between the the story of Genesis 1 through 11, the creation account, and the fall of man, and the flood, and the story of Noah, and the Tower of Babylon. Kind of big picture stuff. Kind of grand stories of the scripture. And Genesis 12 really serves as a bridge for us because we kind of made the point last week that the Lord is going to one day send Messiah. And we've got this very interesting perspective because we live in a time when you can have all of the Word of God bound in a small book you can carry with you. Not really until the last 100 years has that been the case. So we've got the big picture of Scripture. We know that Messiah will one day come. We know that He's going to be Jesus Christ. We know what He's going to accomplish. But the people that lived in the time of Abraham and Noah and Moses didn't fully understand this. And so they've they've got this idea that one day Messiah will come to the earth. 
But they don't really know how that's going to take place. And so we, we talked last week about Genesis 12 being this bridge from the big picture down to the specific. Because God's now going to call this one man, Abram. And through this one man, we know as we study Scripture that Jesus Christ will eventually come. And so from the family of Abram will come the Jewish people. From the Jewish people will come Jesus Christ. So God is kind of reigning in this story from the big picture down to the specific into the story of Abraham, Genesis chapter 12. Now, if we were just to skip on from our study last week, verses 1 through 9 of Genesis 12, on to chapter 13... We would continue the story of Abram. We'd see his call. We would see about his son Lot or his nephew Lot. We would see about his family and how the different things played out and his family. We're going to study his life and his family over the next many chapters of Genesis. But the end of chapter 12 is interesting. Genesis chapter 12 verses 10 through the through the end of the chapter verse 20 is kind of an interesting little diversion in my mind. And I'll be very honest with you. I always start the week. I try to start on Monday morning with the text I'm going to be preaching on the next Sunday. And so I get it out and I start looking at it and reading through it and studying through it and praying through it. And the question I always ask at the beginning part of the week, the beginning part of my study, is what's the big picture here, Lord? What's the truth of this scripture? And by the way, anytime you study the Word of God, you always ought to begin with that question. Lord, what's your truth in here that I need to understand? And I have to tell you the truth. As I studied through this passage of scripture, it became more and more difficult for me. And I struggle through it more and more because it's, it's, it's a, kind of an interesting diversion. We find this man who's been faithful, who seems to love the Lord, who's called and is going to do some great things. And in the end of chapter 12, he does kind of some strange, silly types of things. And he really runs away from the Lord. And the, the more I thought about it and the more I prayed over it and, and the more I studied it, I, I kind of came to this conclusion that we're going to study again Abraham this morning, Abram. But we're not going to study the Abram that was faithful and bold and did all the things the Lord called him to do. We're going to study the man who is human, just like you and just like me, and fails on a pretty regular basis to do the things the Lord's called him to do. I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to read chapters of Scripture that relate to people like this and, and kind of lose touch with them. Yeah, that's Abram, Lord. He did incredible things. Or that's Moses. Or that's Noah. But I think we need to be reminded that even the greatest people in Scripture, even those who did some of the most incredible things, at times stepped away from the Lord and stepped away from His blessings and stepped away from His faithfulness. And we're going to see a picture of that this morning. So Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 10. I think we have it on the screens for you as well. Now there was a famine. Now remember, Abram has just entered the land the Lord called him to enter. He just left everything that he owned. He brought all the, the family with him, but he left his father behind in the country that he knew so well. And we read in chapter 12 of verse 10, Now there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Then they will kill me, but let you live. Say, you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that she was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake. 
And Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, manservant and maidservants and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. Now here's the first truth I want you to see, and I think it's really foundational for us to understand what goes on in the life of Abraham in this account. But it's the picture of exactly who he was in this moment and the problem that he faced. Truth number one is this out of this scripture. Abraham failed to fully trust the Lord. Abram, we have Abraham on the screen. Abram failed to fully trust the Lord. Now let's just remember from last week that the Lord had just called Abram to leave all that was familiar to give up his countryside, to give up his family, and to move to this place that he was going to tell him about. And so Abraham is faithful. He gets up and he packs his stuff and he begins to walk and he arrives at the land in which the Lord's called him to stop in. And as soon as he gets there, the Bible tells us that a famine strikes. Now this is something that's kind of unfamiliar to us because I can almost guarantee you, I can't speak for every person, but I, I would almost guarantee you that every person in this room has always had the opportunity to eat when they were hungry. I bet nobody here has ever had a day in their life. Maybe when you were a younger kid, if you're a little bit older and times were tough, maybe. But I bet in your adult life there's never been a day when you said there's no food for us to eat. You say, well, we're out of food at the house. That's fine. We'll just go to McDonald's, right? We'll just get a burger. That's easy. Or if we don't want to go get fast food, we'll go to, we'll go to Publix or, or Kroger or one of the local grocery stores. Right? We'll go get food somewhere because there's always an abundance of food. We don't understand what it's like to have a famine. But in biblical times, when it didn't rain, they couldn't grow the crops. When they couldn't grow the crops, they couldn't have food. When they couldn't have food, they didn't eat. And when they didn't eat, guess what? They died. So more than just a nuisance of not having enough rain to water our grass or our flowers, or to cool down the air. In the time of Abram, when a drought hits and a famine occurs, people actually die. And so Abraham is kind of left with this very difficult situation. The Lord's called me to this place. I can just imagine him standing there. Lord, you've called me to this place. I'm here now. I'm prepared to serve you and follow you. And now all of a sudden, there's no food for me to eat. And so he starts looking around. What am I going to do next? And he looks down to Egypt. And he knows about Egypt. He's heard about Egypt. He's heard about the Nile River. And the Nile River, if you don't know anything about the Nile, it floods once a year. And when it floods, it, it covers the countryside for several miles outside of its normal banks. And when it does that, it deposits very rich soil into the sides of the bank. And so people can grow crops near the Nile River really year-round. And so they're not relying on rainfall like he would have been. They have the Nile River, and so he looks and he sees Egypt, and he sees the Nile, and he makes this decision. He's now going to, as the Bible tells us, go down and sojourn or stay for a while in Egypt so he can have food. Now, here's the question we ask ourselves. What's wrong with that? I mean, here, here's a man who has been called of the Lord. Here's a man who's done what the Lord's asked him to do, and he arrives at this place, and all of a sudden there's no food to feed his family. He's got to make this decision. 
He's got to decide where to go. What's wrong with him going to Egypt? But let me just remind you of verses 2 and 3 in chapter 12. If you guys got your Bibles, just look back. You don't have to flip if you don't have it. But I want to read them to you. Because Abram is coming off maybe the greatest promise the Lord has ever made to an individual in history. Listen to what the Lord says to Abram. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. See that? God says, I'm going to do all these things for you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you into a great nation. And the moment the famine occurs, we ask ourselves this question, where was Abram's faith? Now, I can just imagine his disgust when he arrives in the land and there's no food. <laughs> Because it's kind of the same kind of a question or the same kind of concern maybe we have in our lives. And I'm reminded of his kind of fickleness. Lord, you call me here. I'm willing to serve you. But now I'm here and there's no food. So I'm going to run away from you and not trust that you're actually going to fulfill your promise in my life. And I'm reminded of the people of Israel. Now, if you know your Old Testament, you'll know that from Abram come the children of Israel. We'll get to that later in our study. But if you've never read through the Old Testament or studied the Old Testament, one thing you'll learn about the children of Israel, it's like a roller coaster for them. There are really good times when they're seeking the Lord, and then there are moments when they're kind of down in the depths. And there are moments when they're up at the top of the hill, and then there are moments when they flee from the Lord. Exodus chapter 14, verses 11 and 12. They, these are the people of Israel, after they left Egypt and they're in the wilderness, said to Moses, was it because... Now listen to these words. This is the man that had just rescued them from Egyptian slavery for 400 years. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us in the desert to die? What have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. See, if we're not careful, we have this tendency to lose some of our faith when things don't go the way we had hoped. If we're not careful, we kind of fall into the trap that Abram fell into. And so we've got these two real clear choices. Abram had a real clear choice. We've got a real clear choice every single moment of every single day, especially in those moments that are more difficult. We've got these two choices. We can either deepen our walk and move closer to the Lord, or we can ignore our faith and move farther and farther away from Him. Now, if you were honest, you could say that you know somebody in both of those camps. And if you were real honest, you'd probably say, I've been in both of those camps. There are moments in my life, Adam, when I, when I was going through a struggle and I deepened my walk with the Lord and in those days I just grew and my faith was strengthened. Or you may say there were days, Adam, when I struggled and I, I forgot the blessings and the truth and the power of the Lord and I ran away from Him to the things of the world. I like the advice of one pastor I read. When circumstances become difficult and you are in the furnace of testing... Remain where God has put you until He tells you to move. I think there's an awful lot of truth there. I had an interesting experience a couple years ago. I had been pastoring for two years. <laughs> two whole years. By the way, you need to know something that's kind of interesting. The 
Southern Baptist Convention average for pastors is about three years. Did you know that? So I've been here four. I'm way above average, okay? So tell your friends, please. <laughs> but I've been here about two years and things were going really well. But I, I personally, not the church, nothing had happened. I kind of I had this very interesting few months. I just kind of, I don't know how to describe it, kind of this low period for me, honestly. And I look back on it, I think it was spiritual warfare, absolutely. But I was just struggling a little bit, personally. I kind of lost a sense of enthusiasm, and I wasn't quite sure what to do next. And missions were going pretty well at that time. It was still pretty new. And I just felt like maybe I need to be doing something different, right? What I need to go to next. And so I called Gary Udy. Some of you guys know Gary. Gary has helped me a lot in this process, and, and uh, he kind of mentored me a little bit in the early days. And I called Gary. I said, would you ride down one day? He was in Birmingham and just talked to me. I said, I don't really know what I want to say to you. I just want to sit in a room with you and just kind of bounce ideas and just talk through this. And he was gracious enough and he drove down and we spent, I think, a couple of days together. And he said something very profound to me that he'd gotten from somebody else. He said, somebody told me a long time ago. He said, when the, when the Lord calls you to do something, that until you're sure he's called you to something else, you just keep doing that thing as best you can and let him use you. And that was really revolutionary for me because I was kind of looking for the next thing and I was struggling through this time and I was just reminded of the faithfulness of the Lord. And I was reminded when He makes promises to us and He shows us that He's trustworthy, all we got to do is seek Him. We don't have to go anywhere else. We don't have to look for anything. We don't have to run off to Egypt. We don't have to run off to the world. We can sense the Lord's presence and we can find our strength simply in Him. So we see a man in Genesis chapter 12 who had received an incredible calling of the Lord, an incredible blessing of the Lord, but he fails to understand the Lord's faithfulness and he runs off to Egypt. And now look with me in verse 11, what happens? As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. Now here's the connection. Watch it. This is, this is the danger for us in our lives. Because Abram failed to trust the Lord, point number two, Abram feared man and not God. Abram feared man and not God. See, one of the quickest ways we can miss the opportunities of the Lord is to fear man rather than God. You ever thought about that? Our decisions should always be based on what the Lord desires over the desires of men. Now, I want to challenge you just for a minute on this because I think a lot of us fall into this trap. If you don't have your full faith and trust in the Lord, then it becomes very convenient for you to seek the praise of men rather than the praise of the Lord. Do you understand that? If you trust the Lord, you don't care what other people say. If you don't trust the Lord, you need their approval. And I wonder how many of us, myself included, have fallen into this trap of straying away from the Lord straying away from His trust and His truth and His power. And the farther away we get from Him, the more we desire the praise of men. Here's the story, Genesis chapter 12. Abram goes to Egypt. He realizes he's got a beautiful wife. 
He knows that they're going to want to take his wife and kill him. And so instead of, watch this, fearing the Lord and worrying what the Lord's going to say about all this, he fears the Egyptians. See that? Now, Abram doesn't say this. At least it's not recording and recorded in Scripture. But in essence, he's saying to the Lord, Lord, I don't really care what you think. I don't care about what you have in mind. I don't care about your promises because I'm a lot more concerned with these Egyptian guys. I'm a lot more concerned with the way they're going to treat me. See, here's the danger. When you quit trusting the Lord, you begin to focus on the wrong things. That probably doesn't happen overnight. It may not be this instantaneous change in your life, but it's a gradual, slow slow process. You forget about the power of the Lord. You forget about the trust you have in the Lord. You forget about your faith. You move farther and farther from the Lord. You begin to fear men more than you fear God. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in this place where you're focused on all the wrong things. So let me just encourage you just for a second. If I'm talking to you right now, maybe you're in that wrong place. Maybe you found yourself kind of separated from the Lord. I want to encourage you very quickly. The Lord waits for you to return. The old saying is, the only person that's moved is you. And there's always hope found in the Lord. Proverbs 9.10 speaks to this issue. The Bible says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I read a a pastor this week who used an analogy about the fear of the Lord and he was talking about his teenage daughter learning to drive and that hit home (laughs) because that's coming up soon for me. Some of you guys are there. Some of you have taught a teenage son or teenage daughter to drive and his analogy I thought was very interesting. He said, here's the fear of the Lord. It's when your teenage daughter or son is driving through town one day and they look in their rearview mirror and dad is in the car behind them. Because all of a sudden, the speed limit matters. Their lane matters. Blinkers matter. All the traffic laws matter. Why? Because Dad is watching in the rearview mirror. When we we recognize the fear of the Lord, and by the way, I'm not saying God's following us in a car behind us. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is the fear of the Lord means we recognize His presence in our lives. We recognize He's got a call for us. We recognize He wants to use us. And so we live our lives in accordance, what? With His teaching. With His truth. See, when you fear the Lord and you live your life in accordance with His teaching, you're not nearly concerned with what the world says. But I think far too many of us struggle with these issues. Maybe you're afraid to talk to your friends about your faith because you're afraid they're going to reject you or say funny things about you. Maybe you constantly seek the approval of people because you're not really interested in what the Lord's called you to do. Maybe you've allowed your fear of what the world may say or what the world may bring deter you from following the Lord. Maybe the Lord's called somebody in this congregation right now to do incredible things. I don't have any idea. That's between you and the Lord. Maybe He's called you to do incredible things and you've allowed the fear in your heart to derail that. Now Abraham's good here because he gives some very interesting reasons. He's thought this through. Look again at verse 13. Say you're my sister so that, and he's got two really interesting things here, so that I will be treated well for your sake 
and my life will be spared. Right? There's two things. Say that I'm your say that you're my sister and I'm your brother, so I'll be treated well and my life is going to be spared. Now, interestingly enough, if you skip down to verse 16, he actually gets both of these things. In fact, the Bible says that Pharaoh treated Abram well because of Sarah, so he got that. And Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. So we see this interesting dynamic here, right? The, the, Abram has fled from the Lord. He's, he's kind of distanced himself from his faith and the calling of the Lord. Because of that, he seeks the praise of men over the praise of God. He's finding himself farther and farther away from the things of the Lord. Now look in verse 17. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. Here's truth number three. Abram's lack of faith resulted in disaster. Abram's lack of faith resulted in disaster. Now... Let's take a step back just for a second. Because from a worldly standpoint, Abraham kind of got off scot-free, didn't he? I mean, he lied and he ran from the Lord. But in the end, he, he got his wife back. He was treated well. They didn't kill him. And he came out with all this money and all these possessions. In fact, the Bible tells us all the things that Pharaoh had given to Abram. All the servants and the camels and the animals. and all, It's kind of like a dowry, right? So I'm going to give you this stuff so I can take your sister, so we thought, to be my wife. So from a worldly standpoint, Abraham seems to have it all. But there are two very interesting things I want you to notice. The first one is clear. The second requires us to understand a little bit more about this story. The first thing we understand about this passage is that Abraham may have walked away unscathed. But the Bible tells us that Pharaoh suffered greatly because of Abram's sin. Verse 17. The Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. See, here's the danger we fall into. And I, and I just hope nobody that hears my voice right now is kind of in the middle of this trap. But it's an easy trap to fall into. We, we fall into this trap. We think that if we kind of distance ourselves from the Lord... We separate ourselves from Him. We move away a little bit farther and we begin to kind of set our faith aside. We think nobody's going to be hurt. That's what we think. It's my life, you may say. I want to live it the way I want to live it and the way I choose to act. It's not going to affect anybody but me. What we fail to understand is that our sinfulness oftentimes affects those around us, especially those that we love. And we could all go down the list of people we know when that's happened. If you've lied to yourself into believing that your lack of faith in the Lord is only going to affect you, you should wake up. Because, see, we see in this occasion that it affected Pharaoh, which was bad enough. But here's the second way that this decision ultimately led to disaster. Now, think with me just for a second. This is interesting to me. Abram's going to leave Egypt with great wealth. So from now on, when we read about Abram and his great wealth and all of his possessions and his money and his herd and his cattle, all that came from Pharaoh. We need to understand that. It's going to be kind of the sub-story. But you may remember later in Genesis, we'll study this in a few weeks, 
Abram's wife, Sarah, can't get pregnant. You remember the story? The Bible says she's barren. So even though the Lord has promised Abram to be a great nation, I'm going to bless you, he says. And he read her say promise all through the book of Genesis. Even though he's promised this of Abram, Sarah can't get pregnant. And so Abram kind of takes matters into his own hands, and he wants to begin a family with his maidservant. You remember her name? Hagar. Anybody want to guess where Hagar came from? Given to Abram by Pharaoh. Isn't that interesting? See, when, when Abraham steps away from the Lord, when Abram steps away from this faithfulness that the Lord has promised him and this blessing that he has promised him, and he looks for answers in other places, it never turns out the way he wants it to turn out. Because we're going to see that because of the son he had with Hagar, Isaac and Ishmael, by the way, the battle and the fight that they had with each other still goes on today, right? If you know your Middle Eastern politics, we'll talk about it when we get to that point. But all that can be traced back to Abraham's unfaithfulness, his unwillingness to seek the Lord, his unwillingness to find faith in all the Lord called him to do. So Abraham failed to trust, he failed to obey. He failed to find fear in the Lord. And so here's the question I want you to kind of think through as we finish up this morning. How much do you trust the Lord? Where's your faith? Do you find yourself called of the Lord? Blessed of the Lord? Good things have happened in your life, but for some reason you've kind of reached this point where there's a difficulty. Maybe there's a famine in your life, whatever that looks like. And you've got these two very clear choices. Am I going to deepen my walk in faith and find hope where only hope can be found? Or am I going to run from that and seek the praise of the world and the hollow joy that it brings? I was reminded as I was studying this week of a missionary, James Gilmore, to China and Mongolia. And he lived long, long ago. But I want to read something that he wrote that I think will help us understand and get a better picture of the importance of seeking the Lord's will. And I want you to notice as we read this that he set aside his fears and even what other people thought to do the will of the Lord. His words. Having decided as to the capacity in which I should labor in Christ's kingdom, the next thing which occupied my serious attention was the locality where I should labor. Occasionally before, I had thought of the relative calms of the home in foreign fields. But during the summer session in Edinburgh, and by the way, this is many years ago, I thought the matter out and decided for the mission field, even on the low ground of common sense, I seemed to be called to be a missionary. Is the kingdom a harvest field? Then I thought it reasonable that I should seek to work where the work was most abundant and the workers fewest. To me, the soul of an Indian seemed as precious as the soul of an Englishman and the gospel as much for the Chinese as for the European. And as the band of missionaries were few compared with the company of home ministers, it seemed to me clearly to be my duty to go abroad. Now here it is. But I go out as a missionary, that I, may follow the, that I may follow the dictates... Let me start over. But I go out 
as a missionary, not that I may follow the dictates of common sense, but that I may obey the command of Christ to go into all the world and preach. I just wonder where our faith is this morning. I wonder where our trust is. Have we decided we're going to seek the Lord where He may be found, regardless of what it may cost us, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of how difficult that may be? Or have we turned our back on the things of Christ in favor of the things of the world? You see, the Lord's got a plan for you. And He wants to use you right where you are. He wants you to deepen your walk and to deepen your faith and to trust Him more than you've ever trusted Him before. And when you do that, as Abraham will learn, you will see the glory of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the truth of Your Word. Thank You for the calling that You placed on Abram's life, Lord. Thank You that You set him out and set him apart to be different. Father, I thank You that he was obedient to You for much of his life, Father. But I thank You for this passage at the end of Genesis chapter 12 that reminds us it's very easy. It's very easy, Father, to, to set our faith aside and to run to the world. So just encourage us through what we've learned here. Encourage us, Lord, through Your faithfulness and Your strength that regardless of, of the famine that may befall our lives, that there's always hope and trust in you. And then you give us the strength and the courage to do the things you've called us to do for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand. We're going to give you the opportunity. The altar is always open if you want to come and pray. There's great need in our church. There's great need in our community. Maybe the Lord for the first time in your heart has kind of reminded you that you've been separated from Him. Maybe you need to do something about that. Maybe it's a, a rededication of your heart. Maybe it's salvation in Him for the first time. Or maybe you're visiting and love what the Lord's doing in our church and want to become part of our body of faith. This is your time to respond. You come as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.